It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, today joined by Mike at Bengals underscore San Santagata as we continue our deep dive into draft content. Today, we're going to hit on Andrew Booth. We're going to start, though, with what the Bengals' history and what the Bengals' preferences tells us about who they might be interested in, or at least what positions they might be interested in. In this year's draft class, we're going to finish up with a little bit of philosophy and we're going to get into traits versus technique and how those things differ at different positions, how those things impact what the Bengals might be interested in in the draft. And that's coming your way on today's episode. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. So hit that follow button on those audio platforms, hit that subscribe button. Send in some reviews if you like what we're doing, and we'll be delivered to your eyes and ears as soon as we publish every day. So thanks for making us your first listen. Mike, we're going to dive in today to some draft stuff, but really quick before we get there, T. Higgins reportedly had a offseason surgery and was spotted in that arm brace, that sling at the Reds game today. He was spotted in that sling, I want to say a month ago, but the photo was pretty quickly removed. Tom Pelissero reporting that it was a labrum repair last month. He'll be ready well before training camp, so no concerns there from T. Higgins. And Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, also at the Bengals, or sorry, at the Reds game on Wednesday for opening day, Tuesday for opening day. It's Tuesday. Still have three days left in the work week for me. Tuesday for opening day. Jamar Chase involved with Jonathan India's Rookie of the Year Award presentation and Joe Burrow throwing out the first pitch, had a Hootay champ breakout at Great American Ballpark and just reinforces James Rapine's claim that Cincinnati is a football town. That being said, Mike, let's dive on in to some draft talk, some draft content. We were talking before the show, we were DMing, we were talking about what we wanted to get into today and the Bengals have trends. All teams have historical trends. For example, Yesterday, it was reported that the Bengals had ASU running back Rashad White scheduled for some Zooms, or they had had some Zooms with him. He's a running back. He's projected to go on day two, maybe the end of day two, maybe day early day three. And you think about the Bengals' history of drafting running backs. They love drafting running backs in the second round. Jeremy Hill, Giovanni Bernard, and Joe Mixon. And they love drafting running backs in the sixth round. There's a lot of those guys. Chris Evans, the most recent, Travion Williams, and Rodney Anderson as well. So there's simple trends like that, right, Mike? But there's also arm length thresholds, height, weight thresholds, athleticism thresholds, productivity thresholds. What are you thinking of when you're thinking of what about the Bengals' history and trends can be used to project who they might pick in 2022? 
So the first one I think of, and I think it's the one that makes people upset, is that I think they value those pocket pusher, strong defensive ends over the super bendy, sexy types. Uh, Like, I think if George Karloftis fell, they'd love him, even if he isn't overly bendy and he's a tiny bit stiff, just because they love a guy that can push the pocket, collapse the pocket. And part of this is when they face Lamar Jackson and... um, you know that you don't want to be bending around the outside against him because you're just opening up a rushing lane, and that's kind of true about quarterbacks in general right now, where a lot of them can move when you try to get around the dip around the outside like that. So they kind of like those pocket pushers a little bit more than they like those bendy guys. I think of guys they've drafted, um, and part of that is also that a lot of those really bendy, talented dudes they go like top twenty, top fifteen, and they haven't taken one of those edge types in a while, but. I don't know. When you look at it, even guys like Carl Lawson, not overly bendy. He had a good long arm and he could get around the outside. But if he was super bendy, he would he would have moved a lot more of those quarterback hits or pressures into sacks, possibly, because that's really, I think, the difference to me is when a guy's got real good bend. He doesn't just pressure the quarterback. He can get around there and really force the issue and get the sack. So that's the first one I think of is that I think they prefer guys that can really, you know, push the offensive linemen around, control them, and move the pocket that way. You know, it's interesting you talk about that. What are your key indicators for flexibility for a defensive end or an edge rusher specifically? Is it the shuttle? Is it the three cone? Do you like one of them more than the other to indicate flexibility in an edge rusher? I almost just like watching. <laughs> but Okay, sure. Uh, obviously, everything <laughs> is going to go back to film at some point. But when you're looking for a testing indicator, do you have a preference for one or the other? I think I prefer the three cone a little bit, but uh, I don't really have much of a preference one or the other. Sometimes I like watching the three cone too, because both of those, I feel like anymore, a lot of those guys are really, really trained well to do yeah. those jills. Like 10 years ago when Jason Kelsey ran his three cone and blew everybody away, he probably wasn't even trained that well. <laughs> like that was pure athleticism. Linderbaum, who's awesome, but I don't know. Is he more agile than Jason Kelsey or we past the point where these trainers, they've got that drill down to a science. So that's just something I'm thinking of. But yeah, I I like watching and just seeing like when they go to turn the corner and run the hoop, how much ground are they giving up as they go? Are they meeting him at 10 yards or can they bend and get to eight, seven, six? I mean, you're Miles Garrett and you could turn like a race car, like Mm -hmm. four yards, (laughs) which has been an issue. And and when you look at guys on the Bengals team right now, or or even look at their recent history, obviously guys like, like you mentioned, Carl Lawson, I think even if Carlos Dunlap to some extent Mm -hmm. and Michael Johnson and Robert gathers and you go back through they're they're much like you say, they had a, they had a phase where they were only going after basketball players, but you think about Trey Hendrickson and it's a little bit different. Do you think that he's a little bit more bendy than some of their other defensive ends lately? A little bit more, but I don't consider Trey Hendrickson super bendy, even with the great three cone and short shuttle when I watch him. Uh, When I watch him, I think awesome technician. He beats the hands all the time. He likes the power rush, actually. He likes to put his head into guys and use two hands to power rush. That's his main bread and butter. And then he's got swipes and chops and everything off of that. So I don't think of him as super bendy, though. You don't see him get that awesome get off, which he has a good get off, but you don't see him get that awesome get off and just only rip around the outside and turn the corner at eight yards and beat the quarterback that way. So I don't think he's even that bendy, even though he, he tested really, really well, like 
that that mm-hmm. I think Aiden Hutchinson and him have a similar athletic profile. Uh, I was just looking because I was curious. He had a 90th percentile 20 yard shuttle, short shuttle, and an 81st percentile three cone. 99th percentile 60 yard shuttle, but I actually don't know what the 60 yard shuttle is, and I've never <laughs> heard it referenced. But uh, but there you go, 99th percentile. 60-yard shuttle for Trey Hendrickson. Any other big trends at positions that you think the Bengals might be interested in? Maybe anything at corner. We're going to talk about Andrew Booth. Anything at tight end. We know they've been very interested in tight end. Or anything else that stands out to you? I don't even know if this is a trend that they've had for a while because, I mean, William Jackson wasn't that great at it, but and neither was Drake or Patrick. But it seems like anymore they're going for those corners that like to really put their nose into the run game and try to blow up wide receiver screens and that type of stuff. I think they really value that. And that's one reason in the next section, uh, I think they'll be really into Andrew Booth because he loves to do that type of stuff. Now that's not a holdover from Duke Tobin. That would be more of a Lou Anarumo right. type thing. Yeah. I think it's interesting because you start to see some of these trends that are specifically Lou Anarumo trends. And I think that's one of them. And some of these that have been longstanding front office trends, are there any others that you've noticed that have changed? in the Zach Taylor era besides the maybe the corner profile, which I, I think they showed some willingness to draft slower corners in the past as well. And and Dark Western Art is, is the primary example of this I can think of, but the, their trend toward less athleticism at corner did start before Luana Rumo arrived. I think the emphasis on run defense and tackling is a Luana Rumo thing, though. Yeah. Um I mean, it seems like they really value their athletic linebackers at this point, um, at mm-hmm. least from a few a few of those drafts where they got all their starters. And uh, not too much else that I'm noticing off the top of my head. It, I don't know if they ever valued nose tackle like they did when they took DJ Reader. I think that was interesting. I don't know if that was an Anarumo thought. I mean, they had Pecco and they paid him, but they, they, I don't think they paid him um, break the bank money. They, they just paid him good nose tackle money. <laughs> Well, and these trends might indicate an, an interest in Andrew Booth, who the Bengals are bringing in for a top 30 visit. We'll talk a little bit about Andrew Booth and what he does. We did a deep dive onto three players with Mike last week. We'll get back into another one with Andrew Booth this week, and that'll be next. Before then, I want to tell you about Shady Rays. I lose my sunglasses all the time. I lost a pair on a trail. I went on a dog walk. They popped off my collar, gone forever. I lost a pair walking around Cincinnati in week four. They fell out of my pocket. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses, which I pay more for because I have to get prescription lenses for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, which is a fantastic feature in sunglasses. Well-constructed, durable frames and premium high-end finishes and uh, a protection program that's just actually crazy. If they're lost or broken, you will get a brand new pair, no matter what happens. So you can give them a try. And if you don't like them, you'll pay nothing. It's as simple as that. And another thing I love about this company, when you buy a pair of sunglasses, 10 meals are going to be donated to Fight Hunger in America. And that's something that you will only get with Shady Rays. Exclusively for our listeners, you can go to Shady Rays and use promo code Locked On to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses right now. That's code Locked On. For their best deal of the season, 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses. Go check them out, backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. And if that doesn't get you going for sunglasses, I don't know what well. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, 
Look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Mike, let's bring you back in and talk Andrew Booth. We talked about some trends on the defensive side of the ball. I noticed it was all defense, by the way. Before we get to Andrew Booth, anything on offense you want to mention or are you just... A defense truther. <laughs> a little bit of a defensive truther, I guess. But, uh, I mean, on offense, I think they value a little bit of blocking in their tight ends. I don't know if they're going to value a big slot that much, although the guys that keep bringing in, like Isaiah Likely, and my guy Greg Dulcich, a little bit more of a big slot than he is an inline blocker. Um, I don't know how much they value length on the offensive line either when you think about who they have. Jonah Williams, yeah. below average. Uh, Lyle Collins, which that's a free agent pickup, but below average. Billy Price, don't want to talk about it, but he was pretty – he wasn't very long. Going back to like Richie Bram, he wasn't long either. So I don't know how much they value it. Uh, if they did, I assume somebody would be at least like very long for their Deontay position. Smith. Deontay Smith is. That was a, so that's that's a good answer for that. So, But uh, other than that, it's I only think one. – yeah, I, and they were interested, I think, in Daryl Williams last year, although apparently not as much this year. Did he sign anywhere? Do you recall? I don't think he has, but I'm not positive. I don't know that he has either. Anyway, kind of beside the point here, you're right. I think that we have seen a trend in offensive linemen arm length to a point. I think they still have thresholds. I just don't think they give you many points for being, you know, 33 versus 33 and a half versus 34, 34 and a half. Although I do think that if a player uses his length really well, that that's different, right? It's not just a measurement uh, in a bucket. But Andrew Booth, let's let's dive in, Mike. Tell me, as as we talk about a guy that the Bengals just had in on a top thirty visit, or going to have in on a top thirty visit, one of their thirty prospects are bringing into Cincinnati, and I, I think that indicates some level of interest. They want to get to know the guy a little bit better. They maybe want to put him through a workout. Not sure what they're going to do with him, but somebody the Bengals, I think, are at least looking at. Could be there at 31. Projected kind of between the middle of the first round to the top of the second round. When you watch Andrew Booth, who didn't test because of a sports hernia, by the way, what are the big takeaways? I was going to say the top 30 visit could be super interest or it could be this guy hasn't tested and we want a medical check. Uh, but right. what jumps off the page with him is what I talked about earlier, the way he fits the run and the way he fights through screens. You notice I didn't mention that he's an awesome tackler because he does miss his tackles, but cornerback, how much do you value a, a good tackling corner? I don't know. He's willing. He puts his nose down. He tries to do it. It's just he's not great at it, which a lot of college corners aren't. But the way he fights through screens, when when teams are throwing smoke screens or just you know little bubbles or whatever, he not only would shed the block of that wide receiver trying to set a screen, and those guys usually aren't doing the best job of trying to block anyway, he would drive them back like he was Geno Atkins in 2011 back into the wide receiver. It was It's fun to watch, and he's very willing to fit the run, especially they play – a bit of cover two out in uh, Clemson. And when you're doing that, a lot of times the corner is in the run fit, especially outside. He's a force player. 
he's willing. He, he sees that action, and I feel like his eyes light up. He's like, I get to hit the running back? I get to hit somebody? So I think that jumps off the page with him. I think he his, um, his tackling needs work, but I think he takes good angles, which is something Kyer Elam doesn't really do. And I think he's much more hair on fire than Kyer Elam, if you're going to compare those two prospects. So that's what jumps off the page to me is the how – willing he is to make contact and you know do things that not every corner likes to do and when you say hair on fire you mean just urgency or do you mean playing kind of like a maniac out of control and because because that's been a criticism i think i don't remember who it was is it cam taylor Britt or elante taylor the criticism that they kind of just put their head down and throw themselves at tackles instead of playing in control I think that's Alante Taylor, and uh, I more mean that he's playing with a lot of urgency, although sometimes his tackles were a little out of control, but not to the level that I watched with Alante Taylor at times. So you've talked a lot about his willingness to play in the run fit, which is something the Bengals will like. There are some tackling concerns, which is something the Bengals probably won't like. There's a sports hernia, which, yeah, you're right. They're probably going to check out at, at the top 30 visit or could potentially check out, and they all do their combine medicals as well, and I assume that he did that, although... The surgery was after the combine, as far as I remember. I think the surgery was just at the end of March. An average build for this player, he's, he's you know, above average in terms of wingspan, but not a ton above average, you know, slightly above average in height, pretty much average for, for weight. So you talk about all these things about him. We don't have an athletic profile. From an athleticism perspective and coverage, what do you see from Andrew Booth? I think he's pretty athletic, although I would have liked to see just his corners that are really good in college don't always get tested deep down the field. So I'd like to see, you know, what was the long speed? Is he under 4-4? I don't know if the Bengals care that much, but I do just when I think about it. But when I think about him in coverage, he is a good coverage corner uh, because – what I think he does best is when he's playing off coverage, he's got his eyes on the quarterback, eyes on the receiver, bouncing back and forth and doing a backpedal. His backpedal, I think, is one of my favorite things to watch. It's just very low, smooth, and he's got good eye discipline on it. He keeps a good cushion between him and the receiver so he can react when they make a move. And he does a good job reading quarterback footwork from there. A lot of stuff to like from him in off coverage. And, uh, Another thing is just that he keeps himself square when he's backpedaling. Sometimes these guys kind of get one hip turned in front of the other or, you know, the strides aren't the same length. I don't know. It's very symmetrical <laughs> aesthetic. I don't know. Uh, he reacts well when the ball's thrown. He has pretty good ball. He has, I will say, good ball skills as well to break up passes. And he catches some interceptions himself despite not being tested a ton. And I think to go with the keep it a good cushion when he's in off coverage, he does a good job keeping cushion when he's in press coverage too. I have some issues when he's in press, but I don't have an issue with him getting too close to guys. And a lot of times that's a guy that doesn't have length, but it shows up on guys that have length too, where they get so close to these guys. And when the wide receiver makes a break, they can't react. When you have that extra, I don't know, six inches of space it gives you the time to react and get in better position if he goes under you can get into like a a tailpipe you know like on the back end of the receiver maybe put your little hand on his hip that nobody ever calls and follow him that way or if he breaks out you know you stay on top and then when the ball is thrown you can break so i like the cushion that he leaves in both those situations and and you have him graded slightly worse than Kyer Elam, but it's very close. And and for Joe Goodberry, we talked to him yesterday. And if you missed that episode, we talked about a lot 
of draft positions and, and that sort of stuff with Joe yesterday. What, what is it that separates the two? What is it that's concerning for you about Andrew Booth that brings him one tick lower? I think it's that Elam, I think it's, I don't know. It, to me, it's harder to be such a good press man type corner than it is to play, or at least it's more rare to be a good press man corner than it is to play off zone type stuff. And the Bengals run both. I, I don't know why some people think that we are only looking for zone corners. I feel like you're when it's third and one, you're not playing cover three or cover or quarters usually every team does both the Bengals no exception yeah. I, I mean they're running man at least what 30 percent of the time uh, I think like 30 35 somewhere yeah. around there and when it's third and short it's like 90 <laughs> so in those down in distances where you know you have to play man coverage you got to have a corner that can do that so when I think of Elam I, I just think he might profile into somebody that could be an elite corner while Andrew Booth maybe he's less bus chance but i want to take the big swing and i don't think either one is a real big bus chance I, I think they're both good players like really good i think i have a mid first on both of them and uh but a guy that can press jam and has this tool belt of techniques that kair elam has is just something i value a little bit more and i i'm not questioning his athleticism his long speed he tested really well and uh there's just a little bit with Booth when he's in press. I think he can open his hips up too early and he can get beat underneath like that. I think he gets his base a little bit too narrow, sometimes crosses his feet even when he's trying to play press. I just don't know if he's that used to doing that type of thing. Where Elam, yeah. I didn't have those issues. He always kept a good base. And I mean, just I always go back to one also just the stance. It's almost a meme with me <laughs> where right. he gets so low in his stance ready for action. I love it. And looks like a Lester Hayes out there covered in stickum. So I, I just have a preference for that type. I think there's there there's some similarities in these profiles, but not testing for Andrew Booth is something that is interesting. We talked about it with Kyler Gordon. The long speed shows up on tape, and we didn't really get to see a whole lot of that from Andrew Booth. So getting some confirmation of the 40 would have been nice. They're both young players, though, which is something I like about both those guys. 21, 21 and a half for Kyler Elam and Andrew Booth, respectively. But you know, it looks like for us in our process that that you're contributing to this year with Joe and I is what what's going to bring Booth down is not testing, and if not for that, they would really be neck and neck, and they probably are neck and neck for a lot of teams, depending on preferences. And well, preferences could have something to do with whether you like traits, whether you draft for guys that are more technically refined, whether you have time to develop the developmental player you take in the mid rounds, or whether you need a guy to step in immediately. And we'll talk about that philosophical distinction for the Bengals in the 2022 draft coming up next. But today's episode brought to you by Built Bar, James Rapine's favorite protein bar, my favorite protein bar. I'm just finishing up my stock of coconut almond that tastes a lot like an almond joy if you're into that candy. But if you've got a New Year's resolution, I mean, we're, we're what? We're in April now. It's the time the New Year's resolutions start to go. And maybe one of your New Year's resolutions was to eat, right? Like mine is. I'm trying to work on that here as I near closer and closer to, to midlife. And Built Bar helps. It's got that high protein. Tastes great. Got the chocolate going on. It's got a little bit of a, a sweet a sweet flavor. So it can satisfy a, a craving, a sweet tooth. And when you do that, you're only getting 130 calories and just 4 grams of sugar. 17 grams of protein. 
I don't really know how you beat that. And they've got a ton of great flavors, including some of the marshmallowy flavors, the cinnamony churro, the coconut marshmallow puffs. So you can check those puffs out as well. They've also got a ton of other flavors, including monthly specials, but mint brownie and well, this month, white chocolate cookies and cream could be some go-tos for you. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Mike, let's uh, philosophize. As it has been said by some of the greats, traits, tape, technique, all these things go in to drafting a player, as does the mental makeup and medicals, which, of course, we, the public, don't have a ton of access to. But for the Bengals, do, do you notice, so go back to trends in our first segment. Have you noticed an emphasis on one more than the other at different positions? And which do you think that, you know, the Bengals put more emphasis on? Oh, man. I didn't think about the trends uh, with uh, technique versus traits. But, I mean, if you do think about their last draft, we had, uh, well, at least I had some concerns about Jamar Chase's technique on his release and getting off the line and his route running where he's drifting away from the quarterback and he rounds a lot of stuff. And obviously he got much better. <laughs> he became one of the best receivers in the league immediately. And we were missing a year of tape on him. So fair to say that he might have gotten a little bit better in that time. Continue. And then you think of kind of the opposite end where Jackson Carmen, we had the same concerns about footwork and hand placement and those didn't get better. So that kind of shows you the, the dichotomy of uh, your traits techniques debate where, yeah, sometimes you draft those traits, you hit a home run right away. And I feel like sometimes you draft those traits and you have to be patient because to me, your floor comes with your technique and yeah, your athleticism can get you out of bad situations. I think of recovery speed with corners. I think of balance and strength in offensive linemen and obviously wide receivers. I mean, the speed and everything is always going to help you, but you know, just a guy that's a solid technician, but not overly toolsy. He should come into the league with a higher floor. That doesn't mean they can't bust because there are guys that quote unquote safest pick in the draft and bust. I can't remember that guy for, I think it was the Seahawks was like that. And that was years ago, <laughs> but they kept the, calling the him, linebacker. Yeah. Yeah. They, oh, they kept calling him name? the safest pick of the draft. And he ended up with like zero sacks in his career. Uh, and I remember thinking similarly about Keith rivers and he had a broken jaw that kind of set his career in a downward spiral. But you know, yeah, I mean, you see it with linemen all the time too. safe, safe linemen, safe linebackers, safe corners. You hear from time to time. And it's, Nobody's ever safe. You, you can think somebody's safe, but uh, I mean, that's probably like you're saying, that's more of a, a technical thing. If they're more refined and they look safer, they look like they're going to be able to survive at least in the NFL, right? Yeah, that's what I think of. Is just it doesn't mean you're actually not you're, you're bust proof, but just your floor should be higher. There's always a chance of busting, 
It's never a 0% chance, but there's less chance if you look technically refined. To me, that, that's what I think of when I think of tools, traits versus technique and you know how refined they look. And you think about their draft last year, a lot of tools across the board. I mean, I, I can't think of one, maybe Chris Evans, but that's also a tools guy. I think Chris Evans was pretty technically refined coming into the league in some ways. And there, there are some things that I think he had to adapt to, but Jackson Carmen, Deontay Smith, Jamar Chase, as you mentioned, who'd they pick in the third round? Joseph Osai. Joseph Osai. I mean, Osai maybe a little He's bit a little, more, a little bit technically refined, but also there was some juice there. There were some traits there. Obviously, if you can get both in the third round, you're laughing, you're feeling pretty good about it. But when when we think about the four guys we've we've profiled and gone deep on with you, where do you think they fall? So we've we've done Kyler Gordon, Andrew Booth and Kyer Elam, and we did Tyler Linderbaum, right? That was the other yep. one? Honestly, a lot of them have both to me. Like, I think Elam Booth and Linderbaum definitely have both, although everybody's going to think, well, what about his arms? That's not, that's not very traitsy. He's got the other ones, though. He's like it's the elite cat. of the elite athlete. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's missing one, but he's got all the other ones. And But the thing about him is that he's also a technician, and Booth and Elam a little bit less so, but they, despite – the uh, tools that they have, they're also technically sound in areas. I talked about Booth's back pedal and the way he keeps a cushion. Elam's the same way with the cushion and his press techniques. So there's a lot in there that you like technically and uh, from a trait standpoint. I guess Gordon's a little bit more toolsy uh, just because he played everywhere. Um, I don't think he ever really refined his outside corner technique, and I don't know if he ever refined his inside wherever they had him sometimes a spy hook zone whatever he was doing i don't know if he refined that that well but he was awesome everywhere he went because he had the good traits other than the long speed he's extremely bursty twitchy all that stuff so i guess that's one that's a little more traits than technique but even him i think of like yeah he still does a lot of stuff well though who who else stands out to you that might be in play at 31 or or, or even in the second round at 63 that might be a uh, like as, as in terms of the extremes, the more technically sound versus the more toolsy. Oh man. It, it might just because might just be because I just watched a few of these guys, but one is definitely Jelani Woods is way more traitsy than he is technique. <laughs> and that makes sense. Even yeah. though he's 24, he's a former quarterback that played like, I think fullback for Mike Leach or, or not Mike Leach, Mike Gundy, whatever. Mm -hmm. One of those Mike offensive minds in college. Uh, I think he played a little bit more like fullback, not really catching the ball type stuff. He doesn't release well. He doesn't really run his routes that well. He's always drifting away from the quarterback. He doesn't stack guys that well. If you get your hands on him, you got, he's shut. He's kind of shut down a little bit. And I mean, when I watch him, he doesn't look like the elite athlete, but he is the elite of the elite athlete testing in that. I think the, the top, the most the, athletic tight end. The ever. most yeah. athletic tight end ever. I don't see it when I watch, but that could be because he's playing slow because he's new to the position. You know, he's he can't go full speed because he has to think like, all right, I have to make a cut here at 12 yards. What's 12 yards? Some guys have run the uh, dig route 3,000 times by the time they're in ninth grade. And yeah. Woods is probably running it for like the hundredth time when I see him watch it on film. So I don't know. Maybe that's why. But that's definitely a toolsy versus a technically sound player. I think of different range and he still has some tools but Trey McBride a bit more technically sound when he does things and uh I'm obviously different well not always that different of a range some guys have uh Johnny Woods going pretty high yeah. but uh 
that I think that's why McBride might be the consensus number one tight end is because he has people think, okay, he's going to step into the league at least by year two. He's probably a solid tight end. And then the other guy I've watched recently that I thought, oh, this is Tracy, but there is not a ton of technique here is Ohio State guy, Nicholas Petit Freer. I was just watching him Mm -hmm. and I went, ah, he's got the power in his hands and he moves pretty well and nothing else. (laughs) There's there's traits there and he's long ish. And he's big, but yeah, just not a kick slide. He misses his hands all the time. He doesn't have good timing on his strikes. His footwork isn't great. Uh, a lot to not like, and it's all yeah. technical stuff. And I hate to say it, but it's, it's uh, I think, a trend with a lot of linemen coming out of Ohio State where they, and I said it before the show, and somebody's going to correct me, I'm sure. There are obviously good linemen that come out of Ohio State, but we see, I think, often these guys that were you know, four or five star recruits going to Ohio state, which means they were dominant in high school, probably really good athletes coming out of high school. And they still have some of those, those raw traits and don't necessarily develop some of the stuff you need to survive in the NFL. And it's obviously not true of all of them. I'm I'm not trying to generalize that broadly, but I, I do think there's something of a trend there really quick last question. And it's not really quick, but I guess we'll, we'll try to do a speed round here. When, when you think about traits versus technique, do you think one is more important this year? Oh, I would like to see them draft a more technically sound lineman just because to me, they have a lot of the traitsy guys. Deontay Smith is pretty traitsy. Um, Jackson Carmen's very traitsy. They have high level backups like that. And then I don't know when, when I do think of some, I'm trying to think of other positions. I, I like safeties that are more technically sound than Tracy. Uh, just me personally, I like a guy that can, you know, read the quarterback well, read from like middle field. He's melting with the first read, breaking on the second, or once the quarterback pulls the pin off the grenade, he's breaking. He has good reaction time. He anticipates things, reads routes well. I like that more than I like a guy that's got 4-3 speed that you think, oh, this guy will fly sideline Taylor to sideline. Yeah, <laughs> Taylor Mays. Great, great. Special teamer, I think. I don't know. Fantastic I was kind of athlete. Yeah, fantastic athlete. That was all traits, no, mm-hmm. no technique. So, is there a safety that looks really good technically to you that you've seen so far? God, I wish I, I've watched more. I, I see a lot of people love, obviously, like Kyle Hamilton, but I haven't mm-hmm. watched him to really make that judgment. I think. I don't know. Maybe I just like the guy, but I think Jaquan Brisker reads things well. I, I think he doesn't always play free safety deep middle of the field. He plays Very a lot rarely, of half. In fact, he plays a lot of half though. And I've seen him play deep third on the outside and some cloud situations. So there are situations where he plays deep. I think he's pretty versatile. I think he reads things well. I don't know how traitsy he is because I've seen him chase a guy down from 60 yards away but does he have the initial burst type thing where when you're playing yeah. quarters and the wide receiver gets on you and it's Will Fuller, can you keep up <laughs> if he gets on your toes? Not a lot of safeties can. And there are a lot of freaky athletic safeties in this class. And I think I tweeted earlier today on Tuesday that like I still don't have a feel for the safety class at all. But like Lewis Sign, freak athlete. Nick Cross out of Maryland, freak athlete. Jaquan Brisker, really good athlete. Kyle Hamilton, despite that. 40, which maybe was impacted by the fact that he didn't run a straight line, which is a good way to doom yourself on a 40. Uh, Still a really good athlete. Even Jalen Petrie from Baylor, a good athlete. So a lot of really good athletes at the position. 
uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I think we could see a safety this year at some point, but it's really hard for me to get a feel for this class. Like we said yesterday when we were talking to Joe, a lot of guys that are in the uh, Tyron Matthew mold that, that'll play slot, that'll play in the box, that'll move around a little bit, but don't do a ton of deep, deep safety work. And that might be something the Bengals need pending Jesse Bates. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We'll be back with Mike again next week as we continue our march to the draft. We'll do some more deep dives into some more players. Might be getting to that point, Mike, where we have to look beyond round one because we're going to be two weeks away from the draft at that point, apparently, because April's halfway done. Anyway, we're joined tomorrow by Brian Callahan, the Bengals offensive coordinator, and we'll chat with him about free agency in the draft and Probably a little bit more than that, as we love to chat with Brian. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.